Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. That is right. You are listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. We're going to navigate today Second Amendment. We're going to navigate today Joe Biden. We're going to navigate today gun control, gun rights, gun legislation, gun executive orders, all sorts of things here on the program today. It is good to be here. Thank you for joining us. Email address is Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. You can also join us on a multitude of platforms so long as those platforms allow us to be there, which who knows how long that will actually be. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube is where we find ourselves here at the moment. Who knows if they'll continue to let us be there. That's why you should... Either download, subscribe to our podcast, totally free, The Todd Huff Show, or you can also subscribe to our free email newsletter, ToddHuffShow.com slash subscribe. So let us, let us begin today by talking, as I referenced here off the top, about Joe Biden and about his desire to implement gun control. That's what we're talking about here today. He says we're not. It's amazing, though. He says we're not talking about gun control, but everything he wants to do controls guns. So we're going to talk about that this morning. Going to play some sound bites from him. I also have a conversation with Matt Lamb, Matt Lamb, assistant editor of the College Fix. He joins us once a month to update us on the lunacy that we see on college campuses, and in the media as well. Share a bit of that conversation here as the program unfolds today. But let's start here with Biden yesterday rolling out six, six, that's the number six, one number short of George Costanza's preferred name for his first son, seven. Six executive orders yesterday were rolled out by President Joe Biden on gun control. Even the t- I'm looking at headlines in the media. The media doesn't even know how else to define this. IJR.com. Biden rolls out six executive actions on gun control. <laughs> Here's what they are. It's not funny what he's doing. I just Biden's up there literally telling us this isn't about gun control. This isn't about limiting the Second Amendment. He also says something that's bizarre to me, which I think will be in one of these sound bites I play. You can't, you know, none of these amendments uh, give you, what's the phrase he uses? Basically limitless freedom, so to speak. And, and the left always, this is the only example I've ever heard, by the way, of when it comes to free speech. Because the point is, well, free speech is limited because you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. That's not free speech. So therefore, I guess you 
can't have the right to keep and bear arms is what Biden's saying because we're not coming after your Second Amendment rights. We're just trying to protect citizens. This isn't gun control, even that's even though the media doesn't know how else to even describe these things besides using the phrase gun control. Anyway, Biden, let's let's sit there for a moment, just for a moment, on this "you can't yell fire in a crowded theater" argument. What is What's what's first of all another example? I'd like to hear another example of where speech is is limited. It's not really under the First Amendment. It is unfortunately under the PC police, under the rules that have been instituted by social media. But that doesn't make it constitutional. That doesn't make it defensible. The reason you can't yell fire in a crowded theater is because it serves no purpose other than to cause disorder, chaos, and injury to people. Right? I mean that's that's the idea. You can't you can't yell something that's that's false. Obviously if there is a fire, um, you can say that there's a fire. But you can't walk into a theater, speak things that are untrue, that are designed to cause panic, chaos, tumult kind of like electing a Democrat to a public office. Kidding, not kidding. But you yell fire in a crowded theater, and there's nothing productive from that, right? There's not an exchange of an idea. There's not someone contributing to discourse. This isn't an expression of something that is important or something that the individual needs to be able to express and make argument for. There's no idea. There's no concept. It's just designed to cause chaos and terror and disorder and probably injury, maybe even worse, right? That's the idea. That's the reason. It's not It's not that you aren't allowed to express, and now we're getting to the meat of the issue here. It's not that you are not allowed to express certain ideas or beliefs that you have. Now we're getting to the meat, President Biden. You want to use the example? You can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Okay. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about why. Let's then let's then look at what you're trying to do and see if it's the same or similar sort of thing with the Second Amendment, with gun control, which you tell us this is not about. It's not about anyone's Second Amendment rights. Well, unless you fall on the list of people, say, for example, who would be targeted by red flag laws, which sound, to the ears of some folks, that sound like a very um, promising thing. Keep guns out of people who are going to use them to harm somebody. Now we're into predictive policing. You have to give up your rights because someone thinks you might abuse them. Do we not see how the government could in turn abuse that? You look at how yesterday I spent a whole program talking about how the left redefines everything. They redefine everything. No word means anything to the left. It means what they want it to mean at the moment. It does not have a a cast in stone, so to speak, definition. It has a fluid definition, right? For example, infrastructure now involves things, according to Kirsten Gillibrand, senator from the state of New York, that... Infrastructure was never intended to include. Child care, I think, was not child care. That's part of infrastructure. Infrastructure means roads and bridges and rail, uh, railways and maybe airports and ports, that sort of thing. Travel, a way to get move around the country, right? That's what, the, that's what it means. 
until the Democrats want it to mean something else, until the radical left has an agenda they're trying to force on the American people, which, by the way, they've been pushing for gun control. This is no surprise. They've been pushing for gun control and the limits of your Second Amendment rights for a long time. So if the First Amendment, you know, first and foremost, we all have to understand that our rights come from our Creator. They do not come from your government. They do not come from Joseph R. Biden. They do not come from Kamala Harris. They do not come from Nancy Pelosi. They do not come from any of these jokers, any of these pretenders, any of these sophists, any of these professional deceivers. They come from Almighty God. That's who gives you your rights. When you are created and born in this world, you are given from your creator certain unalienable rights. This was recognized by our founders in the Constitution, the Declaration, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is what it says in the Declaration. And in the Constitution, these rights are enumerated, though they are not meant to be interpreted as an exhaustive list of your rights, in fact, there's a thing in there called the Tenth Amendment, which said that basically the things aren't the things that aren't listed here, the things that are not listed, the liberties that are not listed are reserved by the people and the states. Just because it's not listed here in the original Ten Amendments, the Bill of Rights, just because it's not in the original Ten, does not mean does not mean that it's suddenly under the purview and control of the federal government. That is not what that means. And government cannot limit your rights and freedoms. Those freedoms come from Almighty God. Government is not God, although the radical left wants you to believe that because they, in fact, do believe that. The radical, godless wing of the, of the liberalism, of liberalism's movement, of the so-called progressive, though it's really regressive movement, those folks, to them, government is God. Government is God. They're going to solve all of our problems. They're going to provide salvation to humanity. They're going to make this a utopia, heaven on earth. They can usher in all these things, things that only God can do, the government can do, and you better shut up and get in line. That's basically how this goes. And so, and so, they're here to protect us from ourselves with things, with things that literally make no sense. They just, they don't make any sense, folks. A lot of these things. And I know that they sound good to some people. But let's look at the rights. The rights that we have that are enumerated in the Constitution, which is not an exhaustive list again, but they are a list of rights. The First Amendment, the freedom of speech, the freedom of religion, the freedom of assembly, the right to protest and to uh, seek a redress of grievances against the federal government, against your government. Those things are not given to us by our government. Those things are given to us by Almighty God. And so basically this is a, an amendment that acknowledges that we have certain we – have, we have our own conscience. We have our own beliefs, and we're free to have those, and we're free to express those. And yelling fire in a crowded theater is not – is not a part of that. That is designed for chaos. That is designed to harm others. That is not designed for a any you can't even make the argument unless there's an actual fire, which is not what this analogy that's overused by the way. 
what this analogy is meant to, to convey. It's meant to convey you're not exchanging an idea, a belief, even a, even a stupid belief. You're doing nothing but causing damage. That's not at the core what the First Amendment is designed to do. The First Amendment does not limit your ability to talk about what you believe or who you believe God is or who you believe God isn't, whether there is or is not a God. The First Amendment doesn't do any of that. And let's shift over casually here to the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment gives you the right. There's, there's two fundamental things that play. It's really one fundamental thing, but it's, I suppose there's two aspects of this. Number one, the right to keep and bear arms comes from our God-given rights to protect ourselves. That's it. That's, that's the core. Now, from that, you can say, who are we protecting ourselves from? The founders understood that an overreaching, tyrannical government was a threat, and the founders also understood the founders also understood that individual people not acting on behalf of the government, just people acting in accordance with their own, I guess you could say, sinful nature or uh, criminal nature, whatever that might be, acting out criminal, taking criminal actions, threatening your family, your property, your livelihood, you have the right to protect yourselves against those individuals. This is not complicated. And anything that prohibits you or makes it harder for you to defend yourself against whatever the enemy might be, which could include, I know people today think that it's antiquated, Probably not you in this audience, but some believe it's antiquated to think that there's such things as tyrannical government. Ironically, as we come out of the century, the previous century killed 100 million people, plus were killed by their own governments. Tyranny, not a problem in the minds of some today. So this seems to be outdated and antiquated to some. Um, But even if they're not prepared to accept that, they should at least accept the reality that guns, for example, stop sexual assaults and rapes, right? Guns prevent um, all sorts of crimes. In fact, most times that a gun stops a crime, the gun doesn't even have to be used. The perpetrator just has to know the individual has a weapon, and that surprisingly, shockingly, causes that individual, the person trying to commit a criminal act, to stop said criminal act. There's plenty of studies that show this, and the numbers of crimes that have been stopped by guns without even being fired is pretty overwhelming. But yet none of that seems to seems to matter. And and perhaps the other part of this that's bad, that truly is bad, is by talking about guns, this insatiable des- desire to limit Americans' access to to weapons, to firearms, legally uh, held firearms, this insatiable desire to do so, we're not addressing the real problem here. We're not addressing the real problem as to what causes someone to kill someone with a gun or, by the way, to kill someone with a knife. Lots of people are stabbed to death or to kill someone with a hammer or to drive through a crowd of people walking down the sidewalk or to create a bomb and ship it to someone. See, the first murder, I don't mean to be the you know, to, to be the spoiler here for the radical left, but the first murder, when Cain killed Abel, he didn't have a gun. You know that? This may be surprising. I don't know if Biden knows this. Cain did not have a gun. 
you know, at some point you ban, I've, I've heard someone say, you know, next up is the banning of pointy elbows. At some point, murder flows from the heart of man. And yes, there's the mental health issue, and I don't want to to just glide over that or pass by that because that is a real concern as well. But I'm telling you, many crimes are created because of the condition of the heart of mankind. Humankind, that's not meant to be sexist uh, or, or based in gender. Anyway, got to take a timeout. Can't get to the sound bites right now. We'll try to get to those here a little bit later, but I've got a um, conversation with Matt Lane that we're going to play here um, in the next segment, talking about what's going on college campuses, talking about what is happening with our media, professional deceivers and so forth. But a timeout is in order. Sit tight. Be back here in just a minute. Friends, once a month we speak with Matt Lamb, assistant editor of the College Fix, and going to share that conversation with you. And then the balance of the program will probably be talking about these executive orders and uh, the Second Amendment and so forth. So, that being said, it is my honor to share this conversation with Matt Lamb, executive editor of. Excuse me, assistant editor of the College Fix. Hope you enjoy. This is the College Fix interview series brought to you by Apprentice University. If you're tired of your teen's Christian conservative values being persecuted, visit us at Apprentice University in Brownsburg, where students gain real life experience and confidence through unique learning and networking opportunities. Well, as all all of you know, lunacy abounds on college campuses today with all sorts of woke individuals, professors, students, uh, movements, all sorts of things, and to help wade through some of this stuff. We've got Matt Lamb of the College Fix. He's with us once a month. Matt, it is a pleasure to have you back on. How are you, sir? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Well, I am really interested about this. Uh, you just sent me an article this morning here. Headline, I hate white people, <laughs> black student leader says. Um, maybe share a little bit about what's going on here. And uh, and we'll talk about this, but what what is going on? I hate black, I hate white people, according to a uh, report that you all have have posted today. Sure, um, and people can watch the video at our, our website and see the the full clip, of course. Um, so, a law student at the University of Miami in Florida, um, she, her name is Jordan Gary. Um, she posted a video on Instagram in early March that someone sent us, um, where she says that she hates white people. Um, we tried to find, um, you know, a longer clip to see if there's some sort of context. She seems to be talking about some sort of racial incidents or maybe just broadly, you know, different political issues. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, she, she says in the Instagram video, we, of course, reach out to comment. We, we reach out to the law school, uh, but no one would really respond, which is interesting because this school actually has a history of punishing other people for their political speech. They they do. Are there other examples that you um, are, are aware of specifically? Yes. So there was actually a professor at the, or I guess an instructor at the law school named Dan Ravicher, who was a conservative professor, and he had made fairly neutral comments. I thought about different voting patterns of Hispanics and African Americans, 
Um, and he also made a comment um, when Biden was elected, or it looked like, you know, your you know, night election made a joke about, okay, everyone better, you know, get our guns now because gun control is coming. Um, and he actually was kind of forced out of the university. They said, well, we didn't fire him. We just didn't renew his contract or we suggested that he should not come back or something like that. Um, but, you know, this is clearly like a racist statement she made. I mean, she's saying that she hates an entire race of people. There's really no way around it. It's a, it's a racist message. Well, there's no way around it. You're right, except for there always will be um, a proposed way around it when you look at these radicals and what they say. It's just amazing to me uh, how this stuff is. This is becoming uh, acceptable. This is becoming almost uh, something that's people are expected at some point, at some level to do with some of these these radicals. This sort of stuff has to be stopped. Um, racism in all shapes, sizes, forms is, is a terrible thing. So Keep an eye on that and see what happens. But another thing that caught my eye from something you all have reported on is this uh, recent survey. Survey here. Um, I'm pulled up the wrong article here. Survey here that says campus expression finds uh, survey finds students reluctant to share views on controversial subjects topics. What uh, what can you tell us about that as far as conservatives and I think the article even says white students and Republican students, they're reluctant to share their views, which no disrespect to the article, but it's not surprising to me, right? I mean, so maybe tell right. us a little bit about, about this. Sure. So Heterodox Academy did this report. It's um, basically like a group of, um, you know, it's a bipartisan group, I guess you'd say, of professors and other people involved in, in education um, who, you know, pr- promote free expression, promote discussion. And they do a survey every year. They actually will survey um, campuses if university leaders want to know about the climate. And they found that um, between 44 to 48 percent of Republicans were reluctant to discuss politics, the 2020 presidential election, or Black Lives Matter in a classroom setting. Um, they found that um, 30 percent of white students were reluctant, were reluctant to talk about race in class. Um, 27 percent of Asians were also, um, also expressed reservations about discussing race they were um and and actually the the other thing is when they asked the people who said you know i don't feel comfortable sharing my views they asked them why and 60 percent they could choose multiple answers obviously 60 percent said other students would criticize my views as offensive and then the next three are basically all about my professor would criticize me um my views as offensive um my professor would say my views are wrong or my professor would give me a lower grade um so basically the top two reasons are other students would say that I'm offensive, which can obviously carry a, a label. It's not just a disagreement, right? Students should disagree in classes. That's mm-hmm. great part of college. And then basically the next three are all my professor would punish me or ostracize me for my views. Hmm. Which is exactly the opposite of what we would want right. in a university university setting. This one's near and dear to me because it, it strikes a chord because even though it's been 150 years ago, I – I can relate to this on the college level because I remember uh, when I was at American University, I was uh, pretty much the only conservative, definitely the most vocal in class. And I remember, uh, you know, debating against what seemed to be the rest of the whatever it was, twenty-five students in my class. But as I, you know, as I stopped to think about it, there were usually I don't know four, five, maybe eight people that were 
vocally challenging the things that I was saying, but there were a lot of people that were quiet. And I had always assumed that those folks were in agreement, and maybe they were with those that were on the liberal side, until one day one of those students was walking to lunch with me, and he said, you know, Todd, you just have so much common sense. And so this isn't probably a new phenomenon, but I do think that the stakes are higher. I mean, this is this is stuff that um, with with the environment in, in total on college campuses is definitely something that students, I would think, take into consideration today. Do you agree? Yeah, and, and I think that professors should really be concerned about this. I, I had a, um, a professor at, saying I had a liberal professor at Loyola undersells it. I had many liberal sure. professors at Loyola in Chicago. And, you know, one told me at the end of at the end of the semester, she said, I don't think I've ever disagreed with a student more than I disagree with you, but I've never had as much classroom discussion because once you started talking, other students wanted to chime in to argue with you. And so it was sort of like a left-handed compliment of like, <laughs> well, you know, I, I guess I'm glad that I had a conservative student in my class because it actually got discussions going. Hmm. Um, so I think professors need to look at this. Of course, this doesn't mean in every single classroom this happens in every single professor, but I think it's worth reflecting on. Professors should really take a look at this survey and consider how are they implicitly or explicitly encouraging or discouraging discussion. Yeah, and it's it's obvious in most cases, as you alluded to with your comment there, most cases uh, professors are at least left-leaning, if not even off the chart to the left side. And, you know, it's uh, – I learned – this is my opinion, but in, in that classroom, um, you know, the real world doesn't have to intersect. It's it's the politics of the professor, and if they want it to be the rule of the – the law of the land, so to speak – uh, they can enforce that as heavily as they want, and that can certainly cause students who don't agree to be fearful of speaking up um, about maybe getting a bad grade. Those things crossed my mind. Um, and in today's world of, of social media, I'm sure you also have in there the, the concerns of having your comments videotaped and edited, as they did to Governor DeSantis here, to make it look like you're saying things that maybe you really aren't. There's all sorts of things that I think today's college student has to deal with that maybe I didn't have to deal with 120, 120 years ago. Sure. So no, I think that I think that's a great point. Yeah. So we've got that going on on college campuses. We've also got uh, one other story I wanted to get to. Well, there's two more. Uh, let's look at this. Let's look at this. CBS News severely misrepresents university research into Asian American incidents. Tell us what's that. What that's about. Sure, and this is a problem I'm seeing. I saw the Harvard student newspaper made this problem too. So um, there's been there's two separate reports. Basically, CBS News ran this whole segment about um, violence against Asian Americans, and but they mixed up two different statistics. So this a couple professors in California have this website um, called Stop AAPI Hate Asian American or um, Asian American Pacific Islanders. I think is what AAPI stands for. Mm-hmm. And they report anonymous incidents of um, hate against Asian Americans. About 80 to 90 percent of these are uh, shunning or like avoidance or verbal harassment. So, of course, hate, all that is is awful, but, you know, avoidance or or dirty looks is not a crime. And the the researchers are very clear to say these are not crimes. We're not saying all these are crimes. 
what happens is CBS News, Billion Dollar News Corporation, said that there have been nearly 4,000 crimes against Asian Americans in the past year linked to, you know, coronavirus stereotypes, President Trump saying kung flu, et cetera, et cetera. That's not, that's not what the report said. They actually interviewed one of the professors who did this report, but CBS still mixed them up. And then they said there's like an 150% increase in hate crimes, which is based off mainly more hate crimes reported in New York. Most, some places went from like zero hate crimes to two hate crimes, which of course is, you know, all crime is bad, but mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily uh, spell a, you know, a, a national crisis. Really, if, if New York would just focus on reducing hate crimes, there wouldn't have really been that much of an increase. Mm. Um, and but so it's really important because the average person isn't going to dig into this. They're going to read it 30 seconds ago. Oh, there's 4,000. There's 4,000 hate crimes against Asian Americans. Mm-hmm. That's terrible. Um, but, you know, I checked yesterday. I'll check again today. But CBS still hadn't corrected it. I've reached out to them. I've tweeted at them. I've commented on their Facebook posts, emailed them. No correction. And it's really it's really disappointing to see that from a, a news corporation make such an obvious mistake. So the difference is, is that there was a website or a place where people could self-report incidences versus uh, actual crime, which is kept in another another database. Is that is that correct? Right. And so some of the incidents could be like perceived avoidance. Exactly. It's like, well, maybe with social distancing, maybe people are just moving aside of the you know the other side of the street because they're trying to be respectful of people you know wanting to keep their distance for you know public health reasons. Yeah, and it could be a number of, of reasons, not just that, hey, this person is an Asian American or whatever, but that's that could be the perception of the person, um, the other individual right. certainly. But that's much different to your point than than a crime. A crime having being uh, been committed um, is much different than a perceived uh, dis- sign of disrespect or what have you. So, okay, Matt. Well, you always uh, <laughs> you you always increase my. You know, I know that things are difficult and, and challenging on college campuses and, and in the media as well. Uh, but, you know, you never cease to, uh, I guess, amaze me with some of the, the depth of some of the stupidity we have to uh, contend with out here. So I appreciate what you do. Tell folks where they can read more about these articles or other things that you and the College Fix are uh, reporting on on a daily basis. Yep. Um, so the collegefix.com is the best place. Um, if you go to some of our recent articles, we, we link at the bottom to all of our alternative platforms, Rumble, Gab, MeWe. We're still on Facebook and Twitter. Sign up for our emails so we can make sure we reach you. Um, just bookmark our page, honestly, and you know every morning or every afternoon, check us out. We post articles throughout the day, and um, you know we'd love to have everyone's readership. Please share our articles, and um, yeah, keep, continue reading us. Well, you do good work. And you do an important work, and I appreciate it very much. It's always good to have you on here. Matt Lamb of The College Fix. Matt, thanks so much for joining us, sir. Hope you enjoyed our conversation with Matt Lamb, assistant editor of the College Fix. We do that, by the way, once a month. Once a month, we have him in, and I appreciate his time and um, expertise on the issues we talk about. Thanks, Matt. I do appreciate it. By the way, the program brought to you in part by Gluff Plumbing. 
Bluff Plumbing, folks, they offer gas line repair and replacement, sewer water repair and replacement, plumbing inspections, pipe repair, root removal, garbage disposal repair, water purification, septic plumbing repair, sump pump repair and installation, leak detection, water heater installation, and clogged drains. For more information, visit them online, Gluff Plumbing, that's G-L-U-F-F, Gluff Plumbing, Com or call them 765-721-6789. Be sure to tell them that you heard them on the Todd Huff Show. So back to this series of executive orders that have been enacted or in the process of being enacted by Joseph R. Biden. Um, a summary of those six orders is as follows. I'm looking here in, a, uh, in an article posted at IJR.com entitled Biden rolls out six executive actions on gun control. Here's what they are. Issue number one, issue a proposed rule to stop the proliferation of, quote, ghost guns. The DOJ, Department of Justice, will issue a proposed rule within, uh, excuse me, with 30 days on, I should be within 30 days on how to stop the distribution of ghost guns. Kits that contain components of a gun and directions on how to assemble them within, this says within 30 minutes. I don't know if that's really accurate. I've heard from some of you who know more about this than I do. Um, <laughs> I it's, it's funny in a sense. I, I had a, a gentleman build an AR-15 for me, and I was familiar with some of this stuff just from dealing, you know, talking with him along the way. Ironically, I just want to say this for the record, for public record, that AR-15, it was a crazy thing. Boating out in the middle of Lake Michigan, that thing is lost at sea in in a boating accident. So I just wanted to share, make sure that that was public record out in the middle of Lake Michigan. That thing is totally and completely unrecoverable. I don't even know where that thing went. We're the deepest part of Lake Michigan, by the way. Anyway, so that's what the first executive order has to deal with. Quote, unquote, ghost guns. Ghost guns. Number two, restrict arm braces for pistols. The DOJ will have 60 days to issue a proposed rule to restrict the use of arm braces The White House notes that such devices effectively turns a pistol into a short-barreled rifle. Dude, hearing how Democrats and and the radical left describe guns, you realize they know nothing about these things. They don't know anything. I've read articles about some liberal journalist firing an AR-15 and was terrified and couldn't believe how loud it was and that sort of stuff. But anyway, this is, again— what these these orders are designed to do. Number three, draft red, model red flag legislation for states. This is the one that should be concerning to people when they get to decide who's um, who's mentally incapable of, of carrying a gun. Just look at how they've redefined everything else. This should be one that concerns people. I got to take a break. I'm long because of the interview long in, in the, the segments today. So sit tight back here in just a minute, and we'll continue this discussion. So the other three executive orders here by Biden, one, make investments in, quote, evidence-based 
community violence interventions. I think says, well, again, I'm from the government and I'm here to, I, I, I don't, look, I'm not suggesting that the government cannot do anything ever, but I just, just the, the faith that we put in this and what we're willing to potentially risk on the other side of this with, with the limitations on freedoms is just something that has to be discussed. It has to be discussed and weighed in the public discourse. And this stuff shouldn't be happening by executive action. This is the, you know, the president that takes pride, Joseph Biden taking pride in the president that's now openly considering the limitation of rights. I mean, that's basically what he said when he said, look, your rights aren't limitless. Your rights don't allow you to yell fire in a crowded theater. So therefore, I'm going to place these restrictions on on guns. The fifth is to direct the ATF to release annual reports on firearm tracking. Okay. The sixth is to nominate David Chipman to lead the ATF, not the most friendly of individuals to the Second Amendment and the right to keep and bear arms. So anyway, folks, the NRA governors are stepping up against this. Governors are saying basically um, we're going to become Second Amendment sanctuary states. Many have come out and said that. Governor Abbott of Texas, gee, the governor of Iowa, Wyoming came out. Uh, there's others as well. I don't have a list in front of me. But this is something we all need to pay attention to. Whether or not, I know some folks, um, you know, many conservatives obviously care about gun rights, and you, and you should. You should care about the Second Amendment. But not everybody is a gun owner or, I don't know. And I think that maybe sometimes that can... That runs the risk. I'm not suggesting it's the case here, but it runs the risk of maybe lulling people to sleep because they think I don't. This doesn't really directly affect me. It does because it impacts the way the government looks at what your liberties are and what they can do to change those liberties potentially here. So important issue. Timeout is in order, though. I've got to take a break. Sit tight. Back here in just a minute. Welcome back. I do want to say this in closing here as we've got, oh, a minute or so, I guess, left. Is this what unifying a country looks like? Is this what unifying a country looks like? Because that's what we were told Biden was going to do. He's going to ride into town, stop the nonsense of Trump causing division, uh, dissension, turmoil, tumult, chaos, disorder, Nazism, whatever else, right? Going to come in and save the day. Is this what unifying a country looks like? Is trying to work around the filibuster and change the filibuster rule without without actually changing the filibuster rule? Is that something that is unifying this country? Is governing governing by fiat and executive order and decree as the Emperor Biden would see fit? Is that what unifying a country looks like is this what it means to build back better that's a question right that was biden's you might not remember that because biden didn't campaign at all but build back better we're gonna build back better come on man we're gonna build back better and probably awkward pauses in his sentences not knowing what he's going to say next anyway anyway 
Build back better. Is this what this looks like? Building back better. Again, I ask, by what measure, by what objective measure has anything, I mean this, has anything improved under the Biden administration? I know we're only 90 days in, but in another way, in another sense, we're only 90 days in, right? We're only, we got a long way to go is my point. By what objective measure is anything better? Anything better? What objective measure? In fact, I would contend that by any measure I can come up with, things are getting much worse. But I don't want you to lose hope, folks. We're still engaged in this fight. People are still, if you look at some of these surveys, you see that people want to see common sense voter uh, legislation passed and so forth. People are conservative at heart. I've got to go. SDG. See you Monday. Take care.